If you would, please take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 16. 2 Chronicles chapter 16. Now, you might be thinking, well, wait a minute, Pastor. I thought this was going to be a service of communion and remembrance. Well, it is. Follow along with me as I'd like to develop some thoughts and follow up from our lesson this morning in Bible Hour about King Asa. King Asa. This morning, we learned that he had a long reign. Long reign, 41 years. And it was an interesting reign. You know, his father, his grandfather were both wicked men. He comes to be king. He brings about reforms throughout Judah. He's confronted by an enemy from Ethiopia whom he defeats with a prayer, really, literally. Defeats with a prayer and trust in God. He, he comes back and he is encouraged by a prophet of the Lord to continue on, to take courage and to be strong and to seek the Lord. And he does that and he leads the nation of Israel in revival, leads the nation of Israel into restoring the temple and restoring the worship of the Lord. And then he's confronted with a new threat. King Baasha of Israel to the north, the ten tribes to the north, King Baasha begins to erect his own version of the Berlin Wall and keeping people in and keeping people out. And uh, it's a threat, the major threat to King Asa and the kingdom of Judah. And you remember what he did. Now, contrast this with how he handed Zerah the Ethiopian. The way that he handled the Ethiopian force of a million strong was by trusting in God and seeking God. And God rewarded that. Now, I don't know how much time has passed. The chronology of Asa is confusing, and it's difficult to piece it all together. Um, it's a fascinating study, and we could probably spend about two hours talking about it. And I've chosen to just kind of give you the some of the conclusions and go on. But um, how it all fits together, we're not exactly sure. But we do know that the time and the conflict with Baasha took place after the conflict with the Ethiopian. And so, what did Asa do? Well, as we learned this morning, there's no record of him seeking God at all. Instead, he gathers together his gold and his silver, and he sends it to a wicked king, King Ben-Hadad, a Syrian king, whom, to just tell you a little bit ahead of the story, um, Ben-Hadad and the Syrian kings become a thorn in the side of Israel for generations to come. It's a major problem. Syria becomes a major threat to Israel and Judah as the years go by. But at this time, Asa, instead of seeking the Lord, he goes around and, and he makes a league, he makes a confederacy with Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, and pays Ben-Hadad to break off the treaties and leagues that he has already established with his enemy, um, Baasha, and um, causes, and, and it works. Baasha gives up building his version of the Berlin Wall at Ramah, and uh, he goes back to his royal city of Tirzah and, 
And, um, and at that time, Israel, Judah actually moves north and taking many cities um, and extends their northern border up, up quite a bit. And when he came back to Jerusalem, in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, in verse 7, he is confronted by a seer. That's another name for a prophet. A seer named Hanani. And this seer comes to Anani, it comes to Asa, king of Judah, and said unto him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria, and not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. You see, God had intended to give the king Ben-Hadad into the hand of Judah. He reminds him, were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thine hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect Toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly. Therefore, from henceforth thou shalt have wars. And sure enough, there was war between Baasha and Asa all their days. Now, we learned at the beginning of the reign of Asa that he did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. And that's a summary statement of Asa's life. Uh, in fact, another place that speaks of him as having his heart perfect towards the Lord. But yet now we hear of a rebuke and we read of a rebuke of Asa not trusting in the strength and the glory of God, but trusting in the strength of a wicked pagan king and his own brilliance in negotiating the treaty. And it's not just that he created a treaty and this league with Ben-Hadad. It's the fact that he did not seek the Lord. You know, there's a lesson here for us. So often life becomes routine, doesn't it? And there's a lot of aspects in which that's good. We, we need a bit of routine, I think, as human beings. I think God designed the week cycle for that very purpose of designing for us routine, and 24-hour days, all of that. It's, routine is good. Routine, even in spiritual disciplines, is good. But we have to have a vital, living relationship with God. That's where we come to the subject of communion. You see, we continue in our lives and we continue doing and living life. And I hope that we are continuing day by day to seek the Lord. Communion is one of those things that Jesus gave us 
to as a body of believers to set time apart specifically to examine ourselves and to remember what He has done for us. And all of the ickiness of sin and guilt to reckon and realize it's under the blood. It's washed away. It's forgiven. It's a time for us to pause and reset our focus. Not on our brilliant strategized treaties or our routines, but to consider our relationship with our God, with our Savior, with our best friend, Jesus Christ. You see, the eyes of the Lord still run to and fro across the whole earth, looking to show Himself strong on our behalf. Here, to them whose heart is perfect toward Him. That's part of the purpose of communion. It's a time to reset, to refocus to remind ourselves what life is all about, to remind ourselves and to get a perspective of eternity. Perhaps one of the most specific verses in helping us do this is in Hebrews chapter 12. Ever feel like life is a marathon? Well, guess what it is. And um, when you're running and you're running hard, you get tired. And the temptation is there to just give up, to just give in, to just do whatever. No, we're in a battle. We're in a race. And considering in Hebrews chapter 12, all of the heroes, who, who, who really, I shouldn't say all of the heroes, I should say considering um, the one hero in which all these men put their faith. Hebrews 11 is filled with men who put their faith in the Almighty God. And they ran their race. Many of them stumbled and fell. But by God's grace and in faith, they got up and kept running. And when we consider that, we turn to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, where we read this. Wherefore, considering all of these men who have trusted in God and women, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, all those in chapter 11, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Today, as we observe communion, we look back. We look back to that day when Jesus gave His life, shed His blood, His body was broken for our sins. He rose again, He ascended to heaven, where right now He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And when we observe communion, we look till He come. 
and we keep running the race. Communion is that time when we are take a break from the race to look back, not at all of our failures and guilt and miseries, but to look back that Jesus took care of that all. And then to look forward, looking to Jesus right now, seated at the right hand of the Father, and looking to him coming back. It's a time of refocus. It's, it's a time that is so important in our lives. And I think that's one of the reasons why brilliantly the Scriptures designed communion to be as oft as ye do this. There's no prescription of every week, every month, every day. But as oft as you do it, meaning that it ought to be often. But it's, it's there for a purpose that it not be routine, as well as the fact that it not be so rare. The fact that we take time regularly to refocus, to lay aside those sins which thus so easily beset us. I think one of the greatest sins that so many American Christians have is, is the sin of self-reliance, self-dependence, self-everything, actually. We're just selfish people. And it's time to realize we need Jesus. We need Jesus for everything. We need to trust him knowing that his eyes are running to and fro across the whole earth just looking to help us. But so often he can only help us when we surrender in absolute weakness. And it's sad that sometimes God has to bring us to a point of broken weakness to actually use us. That's sad. He didn't have to. But so often we in our stubbornness and our own self-reliance and our own strength in a sense, force him to break us so that he can use us. It's not about breaking ourselves. It's about yielding ourselves. Yielding ourselves to the one who gave himself for us. The account of Asa is sad. He's a good king, and I don't want to ruin. I, I, I grew up all my life so excited. Asa, finally, good king. You know, we get two bad kings and a good king. You know, I Years ago, when I put together the timeline, I was determined I was going to go through and I was going to classify all the kings as whether or not they were good kings or bad kings. Well, you know how hard that is? Because you know the honest truth of the matter is? We're all bad. Me and you too. We're all bad. The difference is that some of us are redeemed. Redeemed because we believed in God. That's what makes a difference. And sometimes it's hard to identify which king that, that came across. Now, I think and am convinced that Asa was a believer, but he struggled. He struggled with, it's sad because he had it right in the beginning. He, he trusted in the Lord and the Lord gave him the victory. I mean, it's just a magnificent, a magnificent declaration. And, and a prophet comes to him after that victory and says, yeah, you keep going. You take courage and strength in God and you just keep going. And he did. And then he got afraid. Then Baasha threatened him. He didn't trust God. And God sent the prophet to rebuke him. And here's another reason why communion is important. It's a time where we examine ourselves. Sometimes we need to be rebuked. Sometimes we need to take a record and realize that our little pet sins that so easily beset us uh, are, are besetting us, and we haven't even noticed it. 
time to wake up and take notice. Asa had a messenger come to him. You've seen God work. He pleads with them. You've seen him work. You know this is how he works. You know he wants to show himself strong on your behalf, especially you as a theocratic king of Judah. Will you trust God? You remember this morning when this prophet came and rebuked and encouraged both King Asa. How did Asa respond? 2 Kings 16.10 Then Asa was wroth with the seer and put him in a prison house for he was in a rage with him because of this thing. And Asa oppressed some of the people at the same time. He threw the prophet of God into prison. It's the last mention of this prophet. Now, praise God, we learn about his son. By the way, his son was also a prophet and a very bold and courageous prophet. But this is the last of Hanani, forgotten in prison. Did Asa ever repent? Well, let's jump forward to verse 11. And behold, the acts of Asa. First and last, lo, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And Asa in the 39th year of his reign, so he reigned 41 years, so here in the 39th year of his reign, was diseased in his feet until his disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease he sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. And Asa slept with his fathers and died in the one and fortieth year of his reign. And they buried him in his own sepulcher, which he had made for himself in the city of David, and laid him in the bed, which was filled with sweet odors and diverse kinds of spices prepared by the apothecary's art. They made a great burning for him. I'm torn by Asa. But you know what? All of us are capable of the same thing. Did Asa rely on his own strength and his own power and his own might? He knew when he was threatened by Baasha's wall, fortress, he hired the godless King Ben-Hadad, made a league with them. Then years later, at the end of his life, when he was diseased with his feet, you'll see here, um, you notice that there's that little at the end of his reign, there's a little jagged line there. That's, that's a representation of a co-regency. That means two kings ruling at once. His son um, began to rule, most likely, um, during these latter years when Asa was so greatly diseased in his feet. And, and remember, though, here, here, here you are. He, he, has this, he has this disease, verse 12. But don't forget verse 9. Asa forgot verse 9. He didn't have it spelled out like this, but he was there. But he forgot verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. It's implied here that if Asa had but just sought the Lord, he would have been healed. But instead, just as he had previously, with the threat of Baasha, made league with Ben-Hadad of Syria, he trusted only in the physicians. 
Now, this isn't to say that physicians have no place in life. They do. God uses physicians. Doctors can be wonderful people. But you can't trust in them. And if you're not first and foremost trusting in the great physician, the Lord Jesus, you're in serious trouble. Even if they help you, you're still in serious trouble. So in this day, as we take communion, as we remember, as we give thanks, and as we look to our Savior, let us seek Him. No matter what we're facing of trials or difficulties, no matter what we need strength for today or tomorrow, let's seek God. Let's seek Him. Because still, His eyes run to and fro across the whole earth, wanting to show Himself strong. Father, thank you so much for your love for us, for your care for us. May we learn from the life of Asa. May we learn from his good that he did right in your eyes. He was bold and courageous for you, but not consistently. And Lord, it reminds me of myself. And at this time as we pause to take note both for myself and for my brothers and sisters here may we look to you may we confess our sins knowing that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and may we get up laying aside the weights the sins which so easily beset us and may we run Help us to always look to you, Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, you who have set an example for us. And as today we look at the race we have and the struggles that we have, may we never forget that you were faithful. May we never forget that you endured the cross, that you despised the shame, and that you were victorious. And that we and what we face, if we yield to you, can experience the same victory, the same triumph, because it would be you doing it in and through us. Today we give thanks for your sacrifice, for your shed blood, for your broken body. We give thanks that you rose from the dead. We give thanks that today we have hope and we look for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of you, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.